This is an ABC podcast. My watch stopped two minutes past two. Yeah. <laughs> the second of the second month. Like in your, an old classic detective story. <laughs> it entered on your belt buckle, which was metal, and came out your shoe. Yes, my shoe that was uh, blown apart was a slip-on shoe, so it travelled through my body and then it bounced up and hit Hannah's necklace. I had a gold chain on and hit the necklace, then came out, not through the heart side, and threw me back onto the step and knocked me out. It's sort of unbelievable, really, when you look at it. How is it that we weren't? shredded like our garments. I'm Elizabeth Coolass. Welcome to Days Like These. Lightning strikes the earth around 45 times every second. But the chances of being hit, being in the wrong place at the wrong time remain remarkably tiny, especially in Australia. So what are the odds of lightning striking not one person, but two? Today, our reporter Alicia Sometimes brings us the story of a couple who were hit by lightning together one summer afternoon. But they say that's still not the most interesting thing about them. the 2nd of February 1998 and Kevin Pearson and Gail Hanna, who likes to be called Hanna, are holed up reading manuscripts on a trip away along the surf coast near Torquay, about an hour and a half out of Melbourne. Together they've been running a much-loved independent press called Black Pepper Publishing. Kevin and Hanna have been reading over 30 manuscripts, carefully choosing the next poet or novelist to publish. In some ways we work separately, except in the vital way that we choose which horses we'll publish together. We go away to a house in the country, different places in Lent, and we just read nine, ten hours a day, we just read. (laughs) We can read each other hopeless bits out of (laughs) novels to get some levity in the situation. Yeah, out of that we find a book and and if Kevin likes something, I'll read it and vice versa. And we've never had a – we've never disagreed on a book, have we? No. No, Well, only partially. (laughs) It was on this trip that they received news that revered Australian poet John Forbes has passed away. John had died suddenly of a heart attack while talking to friends at his kitchen table. He was only 47. On hearing this, you can imagine Kevin and Hannah thinking of John and reflecting on how suddenly things can change in an instant. The funny thing is that we were to stay a couple of days longer and therefore would have missed the lightning storm, except we broke off to come back to Melbourne early for a John Forbes memorial service. We were just packing up from our reading, so 
The morning was boring, quite frankly. Ceased to be boring. <laughs> They've decided to make a stop to Janjak Beach before the long drive home. This beach is full of rough waves, large swells, and is often a surfer's delight. From up so high you can see the wild grass in front of you and the rocky cliffs lining the coast. On an ordinary sunny day, this is a perfect lookout to take in the panoramic views. When we parked in the car park, as we were walking to the viewing platform and the stairs, there were, for the first time, the first splotches of rain and they were very big, very intermittent little splashes. It, so it was the start of the storm. The sky and was blue. Just yeah, had a few yeah. little bits. Yeah, it's a blue gray. sky. Clouds, little yeah. tiny clouds. So, you know, you just think, oh, we're fine. There's steps down to the beach, like a wooden stairs. Like, they'd be about three storeys high, really high. And we decided we had a bit of time before we had to get back to Melbourne. And we thought, well, we'll go and have a walk along the beach. And uh, we got about a third of the way down the steps when there was rain falling, but it was big coin-sized drops of rain. So we didn't think anything of a storm. Then Kevin saw this lightning all so fast. That was your traditional crack. <laughs> I got struck. I actually saw the bolt coming towards me. I thought, you know, someone's got me with a bazooka. I didn't think I had that many people I'd rejected. <laughs> it knocked me over. I was, in fact, pitched partway down the stair and had to grab hold to one of the uh, one of the posts to stop myself sliding further down to the next level. I did the obvious thing. I called out, help, <laughs> to the people down below on the beach. And then, you know, I was calling for Hannah. You know, she wasn't moving. I, I could see. Hannah! Hannah! So I thought she was dead. I really did. I really thought she was dead. All sightings rare and occasional, our hearing of a call, a sense of what's remarkable in being here at all. I've come to talk to Hannah and Kevin about this day at the beach, at their place of business their stunning old Victorian home in North Fitzroy. Kevin is also a poet and Hannah writes and designs the book covers. From Hannah's desk, she can peek through her wonderful front yard jungle onto a bustling St George's Road. She watches commuters walking to the tram shelter, which she says makes her view interesting. Kevin's desk is across the hallway, 
They've made use of a hole in his office wall so they can shout out to one another when they need to. Many rooms, including the hall, are stacked head high with boxes of books. This is my kind of wordy paradise. They only met for the first time in their 40s, but could have easily crossed paths in this same childhood suburb when they were younger. There's so many things that Kevin and I have found we've got in common, which I find really fascinating. One, that we're both left-handed, which makes the placement of cutlery and stuff around the house quite easy. (laughs) And uh, we're both Pisceans and both born in Caulfield. Kevin and I both climbed out at the windows of our respective houses and went to the Caulfield Racecourse early at dawn to watch the horses train. We both fished for yabbies in the pond in the middle of the racecourse. I like to say that, you know, I looked at Kevin across the pond and said, I'll see you in 40 years. (laughs) They work well together and seeing them talk so effortlessly and sweetly with each other It's no surprise when they first met, they gelled together instantly. There was a poetry on trams event, and I had a poem on it. Angle of light on brickwork that gives the red a wash. Sharp chirp of magpie lock, all things without excuse. The organisers, they had a celebration of the authors at what was in Sam Booker's bar in uh, Brunswick Street. And that's where we met and got deeply talking and it went from there. I said, who are you? (laughs) Kevin explained and I apologised profusely and uh, we made a date for the next night, I think. After a bit, I said, can I kidnap you? And surprisingly, Kevin said yes. (laughs) So we drove back in my van. I left him parked out the front. I went and got supplies, wine, blankets, everything, and um, drove him to one of my favourite places, which is uh, the Lurdy Dirt Gorge out at Bacchus Marsh. We went down the river a bit and lay on the riverbank and we're just about to have Congress and the heavens opened. (laughs) So we had to retreat to the car and that was all fine except that in the morning all the windows were fogged up and we just wiped them away and saw that we were surrounded by a whole lot of council workers. (laughs) Put it in your new picnic tables. About a year after they began dating, they were living and working together. By the time the lightning struck, they had published around 25 books. Silver gulls that skim the surf, knit patterns over the sea. The spider's veil on beetroot leaf is living filigree. entered on your belt buckle, which is metal, and came out your shoe. So it travelled through my body and then it bounced up and hit Hannah's necklace. I had a gold chain on and it hit the necklace, then came out 
not through the heart side, and threw me back onto the step and knocked me out. The moment someone is hit by lightning, the current flows internally through their body for a split second before flashing over the surface of their skin. I regain consciousness and I think a lot of it is you're in shock, you know, so you're not registering the same things as you might register if you weren't. So it was like we just kind of psychologically numb. Some people came up from the beach and they put their beach towels over us and called the doctor who was, there was a clinic across the road and the doctor came and said, no, they've got to be helicoptered to the Alfred. And we were sort of strapped down because you've got to, don't know whether there's a spinal injury, so you're strapped down and your head can't move. Being put into the helicopter was bizarre. Like, I'd never been in a helicopter before. I don't remember being loaded in, but I do distinctly remember being there because you couldn't do anything being strapped down, but look at the ceiling. And the ceiling was a padded purple. Purple, vinyl padded (laughs) ceiling of the helicopter. That's what we were left with (laughs) all the way back to Melbourne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They land at the Alfred Hospital after what must seem like an eternity. They wheeled us into separate rooms. Across from each other. Across from each other. Call out across the rooms. But separate separate rooms. We were actually put in a huge ward that overlooked the park. It was lovely with um, a nurse's station outside. It was because it was the burns unit because we had flash burns and I just felt we're okay. We're being looked after. We're okay. And the head of the burns unit was this tiny little man, very dapper, and he used to refer to my marks on my neck as the necklace of death. (laughs) My pubic hair had been burnt off, which was uh, something of a, a look, I believe, about that time in certain circles, but not in mine. We were in hospital a week and the nurse's station was completely... Covered, you couldn't see the nurses because it was completely covered with bouquets of flowers, which was just lovely. Except they couldn't let the flowers into our room because skin having been burnt was highly sensitive to infection. To the pollen, I think. TV stations and newspapers wanted to know what happened. Even from hospital, everyone is interested. The hospital staff besides performing their life-saving and caring duties, are accommodating to the growing media curiosity. The press was inquiring. They said, do you have anyone who can handle the inquiry? So we got the person who's she told us as a poet to come in. He was acting as uh, my assistant, my editorial yeah. assistant and, and our publicist at that time. And they gave him an office and They gave him an and office. <laughs> Because there's so much interest. (laughs) And one thing annoyed them at the time more than anything else. The media focused only on the lightning but didn't mention their main passion, their publishing press. 
Not one article. Not one. No, like not one. Not in, one. In, let's say, 15 media interviews. After their wounds started healing and they were released from hospital, they went home and slept for a whole week. And lots of people came to see us and there was kind of, it's interesting, there was this look on their faces like you could have died, you know, and, and we sort of didn't really feel that at the time. So we were quite, well, not jolly, but you know, <laughs> we were quite okay. So it was interesting that people felt deeply about us. You know, that was wonderful. And when I'm catching the tram home, a fellow yells out to me, Hey, mate, I see you've got new shoes. <laughs> Complete stranger. <laughs> I was very offended with the media coverage headings, middle-aged couples struck by lightning. <laughs> the other thing about it is we earned some money from media, television appearance and stuff, so that we had money to put into Black Pepper. And also, importantly, to cover our helicopter bill. No, Kevin. No? We got that for nothing. Oh, do we? We oh. thought we'd have to pay for it, but we got it for nothing. Oh, Good. Lightning can travel through the nervous or cardiovascular systems, creating havoc. Hit the body a certain way and you will die. Hannah's body survived the impact, but a couple of months later, she starts to get worried. She has numbness in the tips of her fingers and toes. Tests reveal she has damaged the myelin sheath on the upper part of her spine. The doctors tell Hannah that this injury doesn't always heal. I just went into a black hole <laughs> with that because they said by this time the numbers were such that I couldn't get around without crutches. I couldn't hold a glass except with two hands. So I came home, you know, and I thought this is dire. <laughs> then I thought, no, no, I'm, I'm going to try everything and rang a close friend of mine who was very knowledgeable about alternative medicine and she took me to Master Lou in uh, Sydney Road twice a week for about five weeks. And whilst Hannah was doing that, we were measuring the improvement through the physio exercises that she was gradually improving with. I mean, she was pretty bad. She couldn't sign her own name. We were about to get in uh, a primary school teacher to teach her how to write again. A writer not being able to write has to be heartbreaking, but Hannah's not sure for a while if she'll ever walk again or even talk properly. Kevin was wonderful. He rearranged all the furniture. Because <laughs> Hannah had to hold things all the time when moving about the house and she has a bit of a habit of arranging shelves and things in a cantilevered manner, which <laughs> don't lead to the best type of security when you're insecure. <laughs> so I had to shift things around, yeah. With hard work and acupressure, Hannah completely recovers. But for some people, seeing someone else who is struck by lightning might be a walking reminder of the fragility of life, how random it can be, how mortal we are, how unlucky we are sometimes, that life is precious and fleeting. 
one of the things that happened was people were so scared by it that we stopped having visitors. People who came and saw it were so scared they didn't come and visit us. I just think they were overwhelmed by what looked like Hannah's decline. Yeah, I think they'd gone through the thing of us being struck by lightning and that we were okay and everything was calmed down and so this was a, a big shock two months later. And, of course, we also had certain evangelists sending us improving literature and now we should look to God and we wouldn't get hit by lightning and, well, they couldn't have read their Bible. There's quite a lot of light in the Bible. In the New Testament's Matthew chapter 28, verse 3, it reads, His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. Photographs from that day show Kevin not dressed in white clothes but with white flecks through his hair and beard. Newspaper clippings show a collection of their tattered items gathered in a suitcase, their case of curiosities. The second of the second of the second, my watch stopped two minutes past two. Yeah. <laughs> the second of the second month. Like in you know, an old classic detective story. <laughs> Kevin and Hannah are showing me their suitcase. I went into Kevin's office, grabbed a chair and reached for the dusty case high above the cupboards. I was careful not to create a domino effect by knocking all the boxes of books over. When I bring the case back to the lounge room, we slowly open it up, picking through everything in there. They have shown so many people over the years and are not as silently shocked at the state of the items as I am. This is my dress with the completely ripped down the front and uh, shredded. It looks like part of it been through a fire, my jacket. It's all hanging off bits and pieces. Yes, my shoe that was uh, blown apart was a slip-on shoe. The entire front part of the shoe was exploded away with only a little bit of strap left. The heel was fine, but I could hardly wear nude-toed shoes around. Kevin's sock split down one side completely, so, yeah. Kevin's belt (laughs) nearly falling apart. It's sort of unbelievable, really, when you look at it. How is it that we weren't shredded like our garments? Away from city lights, canopied stars above, are campfires in the skies we can believe. The strike was nearly 24 years ago, and so often the press have come back to them for a quote when someone else gets struck by lightning. Their narrow escapes feature Kevin and Hannah's story that day on the beach. They have retold it hundreds of times. I'm now contributing to this. How do they feel about going through that day over and over and over again? I mean, it's great at a dinner party. You drop in, we've been struck by lightning and people at the whole table stops. So, yeah, no, it's kind of like something interesting, really. We're in each, every newspaper and a couple of television shows and (laughs) the funny thing is we get, 
ask back to shows like where are they now? You know, like ten years later, we'll be talking about the lightning. <laughs> I mean, it's something that happened to me, but it's not something that I was. Well, I was passive in it, wasn't I? <laughs> I wasn't active because, of course, we had no severe repercussions. That's why it's not completely active in my mind. In ten years, they still may be asked about the lightning but I notice the things they do like to focus on. Words, publishing, people. It's very exciting when you get your first work accepted, whether it's a poem, a short story, a small drama. It's extraordinarily stimulating. It's Byron's quote, isn't it? The desire to squint at your book in print. Part of the, the joy for us is the excitement when the author sees their book published, the first time they pick up their book, really satisfying. If the lightning strike is just one moment in time, one flash of memory, one day out of their lives, what do they want their lasting legacy to be instead? I think our achievement at Black Pepper is pretty impressive. Very few small presses last 26 years like we have they usually go under about four or five so we're pretty proud of that one of the rewards of black pepper has been that uh, meeting and sometimes or many times becoming friends with the authors and yeah. uh, i really enjoyed that i think we both have what i have learned by talking to kevin and hannah isn't about surviving a lightning strike or even about the randomness of life It's about holding on to your passion and persisting with what you love. Lightning didn't seem to set them on a new path or give them over-the-top revelations, but maybe that's just with distance and time. Both of them have forged on in the world of writing and publishing, and they've been able to create their own story. Lightning has been weaved into the continuation of their narrative, threaded into the very fabric of the poetry of their lives. There's sunset and there's dawn, white cockatoos explain. That spark that nudges wonder, that once and its recall, red bottle brush on offer, now we are here at all. Today's story was reported by Alicia Sometimes and it was made on the lands for the Wiradjuri, Woiwurrung and Gadigal peoples. Thanks so much for listening to Days Like These. If you've got a story to share, get in touch with us, please. You can send us a voice memo or an email. Our address is dayslikethese at abc.net.au. You can also follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. It helps new people find us and we love to hear what you think. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Coolass. Our producer is Tamar Cranswick. Sound design and engineering on this episode by Tim Jenkins. The supervising producer was Claire Rawlinson. Our script editor is Sophie Townsend. Our executive producers are Ian Walker and Tom Wright. And our theme song is Yeah Na by the Gooch Palms. Courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. See you next time.
Next time on Days Like These, a shock pregnancy discovery is always momentous. But for Elise Nelligan, it's much more complicated. She has minicore myopathy, a rare muscle disease, and her doctors are convinced that a pregnancy might be too dangerous for her. So we were in limbo waiting for my first ultrasound, and it turned out I was 15 weeks pregnant. Like, my doctor nearly fell over, you know, and seeing her on the screen, this gorgeous little jelly bean, like, in my heart, I knew I had to give it a chance. So can Elise convince the doctors and her body to let her have this baby? That's coming up next week on Days Like These.